Uh, and, it, and, and one stat we should probably start putting on here is players saying, my bad. You know, I mean, uh, like no kidding. Good morning, afternoon, evening, brunch time, lunch time, Thanksgiving week time, sweet potato pie time, turkey and dressing, don't call it stuffing time, little basketball in paradise time, whatever time of day it is, it's the right time for the Go Vols 24-7 podcast, Wes Rucker and Grant Ramey coming to you here. I don't want to say live, but we're live as we're talking to each other. I'm at the Fort Rucker studio here near downtown Knoxville. Grant Ramey is uh, near downtown Maryville at the Blount County headquarters of 24. I'm barely alive. I'm not live. I'm just barely alive. That's that's better than the alternative, right? It is. It's always better than the alternative. Looking for uh, looking for a, a good Thanksgiving week there at the Casa de Ramey. I know that, you know, with Tennessee being, you know, playing Vanderbilt at home as opposed to on the road, that kind of simplifies things a little bit but y- y'all got some uh, good stuff going on for thanksgiving i don't even remember what happens on thanksgiving i've been gone the last two years so i figured my family's moved on without me and done their own thing so uh <laughs> i'm gonna have to fly, latch back on and try to uh regain the the muscle memory i guess for the turkey and all that stuffing what would you say stuffing or dressing don't call it one or the other dressing don't call it stuffing. that's just weird yeah same thing so this is going to be a lot, a lot uh, colder for you normally than, than the past couple of uh, Thanksgivings have been. Well, I was in Brooklyn two years ago, and that was cold. I don't think it was too hot or too cold. I think it was kind of mild in between. But uh, yeah, I'm, they're going back to New York next year for the NIT preseason NIT, so that'll be nice. I'll be up there for that. And this year, Tennessee is at uh, Nassau Bahamas, I believe. At the uh, is that what it is? It's in Nassau, right? Paradise Island, Atlantis Resort Paradise in Nassau. Island, Atlantis Resort, playing in the uh, the good old battle for Atlantis, and 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 you know a lot of times, Grant, people think of the these basketball kind of preseason tournaments. They'll they'll think of you know the Maui Classic maybe as being one of the best ones or or, or whatever it happens to be. But but this one is th- this one's pretty sweet. This one might be the best field of all of them this season. I think. It's got a really, really good uh, field. From the fan experience, I was told this is uh, one of the best ones you can go to because uh, this one is what makes it unique is it's in the ball, uh, a ballroom at Atlantis. It's not a gym. It's a converted ballroom. So you basically can be in your hotel room 10 minutes before tip-off, ride your elevator down, walk into the ballroom, and you're good to go. Got to be a big old ballroom, though, I would imagine. Well, I don't, I don't know how big it is, honestly. Uh, I know Maui... Uh, the Lahaina Civic Center only seats like 2,200, so you obviously don't need a, a ton of space to, to make this happen, I guess, as, as long as the ceiling's high enough. Well, the only one of the three games, we know Tennessee's going to be playing three games. What we don't know is when the games later in the week will be, but what we do know is that Tennessee starts on Wednesday. That would guess I guess we're, release, we're releasing this on Wednesday morning. It's Tuesday night now, so... Uh, just about six or so hours after we release this podcast, it'll be noon Eastern on Wednesday, and that's when Tennessee opens against uh, a Purdue team that Grant is really, really, really good. This team, I mean, it's early in the season, but this team offensively looks like a machine. Yeah, this was a uh, – Tennessee never really seems to get the best draws in these kind of tournaments. Uh, they got Wisconsin last year in Maui, 
Uh, that was in a really experienced, really good team. It was uh, George Washington a couple years ago in Brooklyn. That was a good team compared to where Tennessee was at the time. That was the first year under Barnes. But, but yeah, this uh, this Purdue team, they're averaging 102 points with this uh, motion offense. They have four, uh, four of the five starters are seniors. I mean, how often do you see that in college basketball? All five of them uh, average in double figures. Uh, four of the five are uh, at least 13.5 points per game or higher. Uh, they scored 106 or something, 104 against Fairfield last week, and they had 13 three-pointers in the first half. So uh, this is a really good basketball team. Uh, Isaac Haas in the post, he's 7'2", 290. I mean, that's a big old kid. And, and the youngest kid in the starting lineup is a sophomore, the guard, Carson Edwards. He's averaging 18.5 points a game. So yeah. this is a really good basketball team. This is a loaded field, like you mentioned. Uh, it's it's got Arizona and Villanova in it. Villanova's number one, and Arizona's number two in the Ken, in Ken Palm ratings, and Purdue's number eleven. So you have three top eleven Ken Palm teams down there, uh, and it just so happens that Tennessee drew uh, number eleven. And, and for for reference here, the the Golden State Warriors, <coughs> excuse me, are the are the leading scorer, the leading scoring team in the NBA, which I think most people could probably guess. And, and that team scores about one hundred seventeen point nine points per game, and that's in over a. 48-minute game. This Purdue team is scoring 102 points per game uh, in 40 minutes. So this offense, I mean, I'm not saying obviously, oh, wow, this is better than the Golden State Warriors. But what I'm saying is if you've watched Golden State play and how many points that team can put up, this Purdue team is scoring more points per minute. That's a lot of points. It is a really good, uh, really experienced, I assume really deep Purdue team. I'm sure they haven't had to test that depth at this point, but it's a, it's an interesting uh, kind of meet in the middle here because what, what's, what's been the strength for two games for Tennessee is that defense and playing that, that 94 feet of man up defense. I think it's called uh, the, their 24 defense. So uh, it seemed good uh, against Presbyterian and it seemed good against uh, high point, but here you go with Purdue. It's a, it's a whole new world and uh, you better figure out if, uh, you're going to know one way or the other after this game uh, how good this defense can be or how much work it needs to do. Yeah, because you've got right now. Let, let's, I mean, let, let's be honest here with the schedule. Uh, Purdue has played Marquette, which is a you know obviously a, a really good program. Uh, I'm not sure how good Marquette will be this season, but that's a, that's a really good program. And, and played that team in Milwaukee and beat that team 86 to 71. And that's been really the only thing resembling a kind of a close game. Uh, for Purdue, the the rest of these games, uh, let's see. This has been a uh, oof. There's been a, a 94 to 72 win over uh, Indiana State. Uh, then there was an exhibition win over Carroll, Montana, which you know whatever. We're not going to talk about that. SIU uh, Evansville, uh, which is a, a decent program there, uh, coached by a former Tennessee assistant. That that team uh, got beat 105-74 by Purdue. Then poor Chicago State. Poor Chicago State played Purdue and lost 111 to 42 and Fairfield, uh, which you've seen occasionally they're playing the postseason basketball in one of the smaller conferences. Uh, that team lost to Purdue 106 to 64. So Purdue's not exactly been going through the NBA Western conference here, but uh, you could say the same about Tennessee, w- which has played a couple of games against some decent teams, uh, had really good first halves when the game was still going on. And, uh, but neither one of these teams has really, other than obviously going to Marquette for Purdue, these teams really haven't played really, really great competition either. So, you know, certainly on paper, Purdue's the better team, but I'm fascinated 
Grant to look at this Tennessee team and, and kind of get a kind of get a, a bit of a barometer for where this team is because I think both you and I think this team can be pretty decent, uh, can be a pretty solid basketball team, but we're going to probably know a lot more about where this team is and how much it needs to improve throughout the season by the end of this week. Yeah, and it almost doesn't even feel like a early season game so much because Tennessee had those three exhibition games in Europe. Uh, they come back and, and start the preseason. They have two preseason games, and they add the one against Clemson. Uh, well, the closed-door scrimmage with Davidson, then one exhibition game. Then they add Clemson. Uh, then they play two games. So, really, they, this team together has played eight games, even if eight, all eight haven't counted. But then you look at Purdue. Purdue was the representative uh, for Team USA in the World University Games over the summer. So they got to play a ton of basketball. Uh, they, they went unbeaten in pool play. Uh, they beat Serbia, they beat Israel in the bracket, and then they lost in the in the gold medal game to Lithuania. So that, that's one thing Admiral Schofield was talking like to a us smack about on face. Monday. We is, as as we... uh, it feels like this Purdue team is in midseason form because they haven't stopped, really. I mean, you have a pretty good tournament run last year. Uh, you do the Team USA stuff through the summer. Uh, you, you don't take any time off in the spring, basically, because you're preparing for the summer. Then you play those games during the summer. Then you start the preseason and you're rolling again. It's like they didn't stop. So it's it's not only that they're talented, uh, they know what they want to do. Obviously, they're a veteran team. They uh, Matt Painter's been there forever, but it's that they're they feel like they're in a midseason form. I mean, this is going to be a, a huge huge test for Tennessee. Uh, they they were tested big time last year in Maui and and almost uh, found some upsets, but they they feel like they uh, have chances to go down there this weekend or this week and, and win some games. And to set the rest of the field for this, Tennessee, uh, after playing this Purdue team on Wednesday, then on Thanksgiving Day, uh, it will play either Villanova or Western Kentucky. And for those of you wondering, hey, Villanova is usually pretty good at basketball. Where's Villanova right now? Yeah, Villanova is ranked number five in the AP poll this week. So uh, Villanova is, as per usual, pretty darn good, pretty darn salty, one of the best coaches in the country, a guy who recruits um, in, in terms of kind of fitting to his system as well as anybody in the country. Uh, and Jay Wright there, uh, former, as I like to call him, uh, former, uh, like, perennial Tennessee basketball coaching candidate, uh, uh, Jay Wright, a guy who has gotten so many raises because Tennessee's been interested in him, Jay Wright. Uh, but that Best-dressed man in college basketball. Who, with, with, with Patino gone now, I think you might be right. Well, Jay actually looks the part. Patino looks like a... Uh, I don't know, somebody's been sitting in the sauna too long. That's true. Now, the one guy I will say in college basketball who may be as well-dressed as Jay Wright as my boy GQ Bob McKillop at Davidson. That guy's true. got some crisp, some crisp suits. That guy. That's, Rick, that's Rick's boy, too. Yeah, they're, they're, they're BFFs. And, uh, and that, so that's, you know, either you're playing Western Kentucky or you're playing um, Villanova the next day. If Tennessee wins, I believe it'll be uh, an afternoon game around the same time, 12, 1230 on Thanksgiving. Uh, if Tennessee loses, it'll be the 7.30 or 7.45 game, I believe, on Thursday. 7, 7 p.m. 7 p.m., 7 p.m., yep. that's right. And then what's the other side of the the other half of the bracket there, Grant? Because this, this, this field is loaded. Yeah, uh, SMU plays uh, Northern Iowa. That's the late game tomorrow, nine, uh, win, today, 9.30 p.m. And then the, uh, the, the game before that is Arizona-North Carolina State. So that's the other half of the bracket. But, uh, I mean, if you break it down by – Ken Palm, Villanova's number one, Purdue's number, uh, Arizona's number two, Purdue's number three. SMU is 25th in the pin, uh, Ken Palm. Tennessee one, two, is right, three. <laughs> Tennessee right now is 39. Uh, North Carolina State's 99. Northern Iowa's 115. Western Kentucky's 215. So, I mean, if, if Tennessee loses, you, you 
you'd bet that Western Kentucky loses as well. That's a game they can win in the, in the next uh, in the next round on Thursday, and then you get to the uh, you're probably looking at a uh, North Carolina State Northern Iowa uh, winner at that point. Uh, if it does go chalk, if not, uh, they could get a pretty good SMU team uh, or something along those lines. But yeah, if they they win tomorrow, they'll play at noon the next uh, twelve thirty the next day Thursday. If they lose tomorrow, seven p.m. and then uh, they'll stay in those late games if they're in the consolation bracket and they keep winning. Yeah, and and this is uh, you know you talk about wanting to get a team kind of ready for you know for postseason. You you start in the preseason building a team maybe for the postseason. You want to build a resume for the postseason, and these sorts of 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 like premier non conference neutral court games have always been really big for the NCAA Tournament Selection Committee. And I know that this game, this season is all of two games old and we're talking about this, but uh, it depends on what what the, the, the selection committee is going to be looking at. You know, are they going to be focusing? And I know they say they're given guidelines, but we all know those are guidelines and not rules. Uh, will they will they factor in games later in the season more? You know, will they factor in everything as your full body of work? Regardless, this is a chance for Tennessee because uh, you look at the way the SEC has scheduled overall with non-conference stuff. They've really they've really done a great job. They've made that a point of emphasis in the league to schedule better, and they've done that. And, and so you're looking at a at a league now an opportunity that if you're Tennessee and you pick off a couple of these big games, these non-conference games in the preseason, you're looking at a, probably a pretty good strength of schedule at the end of the season. Yeah, I mean, look back at it last year when Tennessee, uh, for that couple weeks where they were in the bubble conversation, uh, you had to look back at Maui and think, well, if they find a way to beat Wisconsin, they're probably not on the bubble, they're in the field. And Tennessee led, I think they got down 11 nothing or 9 nothing, something like that to start the game, and then they came back and, I think they rallied from like something like 14 down to take the lead in the second half. Uh, and then they lost by maybe 8-10, something like that. And then the next day against a really good Oregon team that had been upset by Georgetown the day before, uh, a top-10 Oregon team, I believe, at the time, they went to overtime, probably a game they should have won. Uh, and you think if they could just find a way to win one of those games, uh, it would help them. One good thing about Atlantis uh, compared to Maui, there's no Chaminade in this field. Uh, there's not a – you're not going to – kind of get stuck in that game where it doesn't really do anything for you it actually hurts you probably more than it helps you uh, even if they do get western kentucky that's a 200 rpi kind of team but it's a it's a win that they could get and they could move forward uh, but if you're tennessee you need to go two and one down here that's i think that's your best case scenario if they do anything better than that if they go three and oh i think it'd be the the story of of feast week as espn calls it and if they Go one or two or zero and three. I think it's uh, somewhat disappointing. Yeah, let's be honest. If Tennessee wins, if Tennessee goes three and zero this week, you're talking about beating the the, the number maybe one, two, and three Ken Palm teams in three days. So yeah, yeah. that Rick, would... Rick might Rick might have a raise before he leaves the island. Yeah, that's like actually, how quickly can they can they construct uh, uh, some sort of a some sort of a uh, a Rick Rick uh, Barnes Pavilion? There outside of uh, Thompson Bowling Arena. If they do this, I mean, my goodness, that that's. But this is the kind of, you know, when Barnes talks about wanting to schedule big time, you know, this is a guy who, you know, he's got the connections in the college basketball world to, to schedule some of these great non-conference games uh, that are not in tournaments that are just kind of you know home and home with Carolina, you know, with the Wake Forest and, and all those, and and talking to all the other great Pac-12 
and Big Ten programs that he's talked to about these things. Uh, but he's a guy who's a major proponent of scheduling tough, and, and this gives you an opportunity to go show where you are. If you, if you want to show your team what it's going to take, what kind of team it needs to be, if you want a, a bunch of young players and you want to show them, listen, if you think you're all big and bad, you're whooping up all of these little uh, teams here in the preseason, now let's go see what you're made of. This is where the bar is, and we'll see where this team is. And you show this team yeah. where it can go. Yeah, and and one of the more interesting things that uh, Admiral said on Monday, he was uh, kind of asked about the tournament, I guess maybe the mindset or something like that, and he said, we want to go down there and, and try to win some hardware. And he said something along the lines of, you know, you don't go down there just to see the sights and to, to be part of the tournament and be part of this field. You go down there to win basketball games. And, and the way he said it, he kind of phrased it, it that's a, kind of a different feeling from the last two years where it's, uh, the last two years, obviously, everybody knew it was a, a rebuilding project, even if Rick Barnes refuses to call it a, a real rebuilding project. Well, this year it feels they want it to feel different. They want to feel uh, like everybody's talked about. They're deeper. They're more athletic. They have a shot at getting a, a postseason berth at, at this point, this stage. Well, if you want to do that, you need to go down there and you need to be competitive with, with Purdue and see what happens. You need to win on day two if that's Western Kentucky, and then you need to do something on day three to kind of uh, – spin you forward and, and give you a little bit more mo- momentum coming back to the States because when you get back, you have Mercer waiting on you as, as a midweek non-conference game at home, and that's a good mid-major basketball program, obviously, as people have seen over the years. So uh, it, it's not going to be an easy three games in three days for them. I don't think it ever is, but with this kind of field, it's going to be that much more difficult, and then they have a really tough uh, December schedule waiting on them when they get back. You know what I really like about this team, though, Grant? For this kind of a week, I know that – you know, regardless of how things go in that that first day, you know, you, you get settled in. Maybe playing a really good team is the best team you, you could play on the first day because, you know, you're getting used to the rims. Everybody's kind of got a little bit of jet lag. You know, it's, it's not the worst thing in the world to go be an underdog in that first day, you know, because everybody's getting settled in. But after that, I really, really like how many different options this team has. And, and I like the fact that when you're sitting there playing a second day in a row or a third day in a row, I think this team's got the ability to to really kind of do some damage there. I think when you're looking at 11, 12, 13 guys who can play, if that's what it is, uh, even if it's a couple of those guys that are just getting six, seven, eight minutes a game, you, that, that's a lot of bodies to throw at people. If they can really do that, that makes this team pretty interesting in a tournament like this, I think. Yeah, I mean, outside of just size and seniority like Purdue has, uh, Tennessee being able to roll you know, an 11-man rotation or, or some high number like that, uh, that's got to be one of the biggest advantages you can have in in this tournament format. And not only that, it's it's their style of play. They wanna they wanna run that twenty four defense where they're picking you up. The guards are ninety four feet. That's not going to be fun to deal with, uh, regardless of who the opponent it is, because uh, Purdue's had you know a week or so to get ready for that that twenty four look. But whoever they play on Thursday has a twenty four hour turnaround to get ready for that kind of defense. And the same thing on Friday. Uh, that's not going to be fun for those teams to turn around and, and have to deal with. It's kind of like uh, if this Tennessee basketball team wants to kind of model itself after South Carolina last year, the way they frustrated uh, opposing teams. That's a hard, uh, that's a hard setup in a in a tournament format to to deal with that kind of defense and to to adjust to it that quickly. And and on top of that, they can rotate those guards in and out. You're not you don't need somebody to, to play extended minutes when you can go two to three minutes to exhaustion as Rick Barnes wants them to do and then rotate their guard. So uh, they're not going to be a fun team to deal with, uh, even if they do have a pretty bad uh, draw with Purdue on that first day. But uh, I, I wouldn't really want to draw this Tennessee team down there just because of the way they, 
they want to play the game and, and the number of guys they have to play it that way. Yeah, I'm looking at Purdue's roster there, and I'm looking at uh, I'm looking at six ten two forty seven three two fifty seven two two ninety. I don't know if those guys want to be playing ninety four feet. So you know what, go out there and make those big guys run a little bit. See what happens. You know, I think that we've seen this time and time again in college basketball that you need some size, but hey, if you've got a bunch of guys that are going to be athletic and in your face and swarming like bees every time you get the ball, especially if the ref lets you play a little bit, you you hate playing against that team. And, you know, it's, it's like one of the uh, – I remember talking to a football coach years ago, and, you know, he said that basically the – you know, all sports comes down to – just like things do when you're talking about reading military books and stuff, don't do anything your opponent wants you to do. Don't do anything your opponent will be a fan of you doing and try to do things that your opponent doesn't want to do, doesn't want to face, doesn't want to go against. Be relentless. Be, you know, be in their face. Make them play 94 feet. Go out there and make them play the entire basketball court, throw bodies at them, speed them up, and you know what? You might like what you get. So I I, I like doing things that make teams uncomfortable. Now there's a chance that Tennessee goes out there and, and tries to do that against a Purdue team. That's so, you know, I don't, I don't know if talent is the right word, but just such a good basketball team. And you go, I don't know how many, you know, future kind of, you know, first round picks or anything are on this team, but it's a really good college basketball team. And the kind of guys that if you go high press them, well, they might calmly kind of, you know, push through the double team uh, they might kind of throw a ball uh, down to, to the open guy, and, and they might put up 100-plus points on you. That might be the worst thing you could do. Or you speed them up, and, and maybe like anybody else, they crumble a little bit when you do that. So I, I like going out there and, and having a go against those guys, and I don't think Barnes is ever the kind of guy who kind of compromises in situations like that. He wants to have the kind of team that wants to assert itself on the opponent that plays, and – you know, I'm fascinated to see. I, I don't know that Purdue just kind of blows them out of the gym tomorrow. I mean, nothing really, or, or this morning, I guess I should say, nothing really would surprise me, but I, I, I don't know that, that Purdue's just going to roll the ball out there and crush them. Yeah, I mean, Purdue, where it's at with Matt Painter, he's been there for so long, and he, he's got so much uh, size and seniority on this roster, uh, scoring ability. They're not going to beat themselves, uh, I think, of, of any program you think about that's uh, just a good basketball program, fundamentally solid, uh, you think Purdue's really not going to beat itself. So Tennessee uh, has to limit turnovers, obviously, obviously has to force turnovers in this defensive setup, uh, get some early momentum. If you get early momentum in a college basketball game, uh, who knows where it goes from there. But, uh, I mean, Tennessee's going to have its chances, uh, see how effective this defense is, and, uh, win, lose, or draw, uh, draw it back up for Thursday and go from there. But it's it's going to be a really good test, and it's it's going to be their first dose of uh, adversity because they've played two pretty bad teams to start the season, and, and now they'll get a pretty good wake-up call one way or the other as, as to what kind of basketball team this can be. Yeah, and I got a feeling that Purdue defensively is going to try to make Tennessee beat him with jump shots because that's still – you know, you would rather that than let these Tennessee athletes kind of put the ball on the floor and get to the rim. So I would imagine that this is a game where if, if guys like Jordan Bowden and Lamonte Turner come out there and they are just feeling it from the perimeter early on, it could be a good day for them. Uh, now, if they go out there and you get Admiral Schofield all fired up and he's taking 25-footers and missing them and, you know, guys are dribbling the ball off their legs early on, then, like you said, the game of momentum, it goes the other way and maybe it gets bad. But – you know, guys like Turner, guys like Bowden, when they start feeling and they start shooting the ball, this team could be pretty dangerous, I think. Yeah, I mean, any any team uh, 
uh, in this tournament format. If, if you like the rims, if you like the gym, uh, the sight lines, obviously it's a little bit unique with the being in the ballroom. And if, if, if you're hitting shots down there, uh, you can do a lot of good things, but at Tennessee's kind of, I mean, we saw it in the first game of the season, Presbyterian, they kind of went with that pack line defense and, and wanted Tennessee to shoot over them. And Tennessee did shoot over them. And even though, uh, their first five made field goals were were from the three point line. Uh, I don't think Rick Barnes was terribly pleased that they uh, resorted to trying to shoot over them. I think he still wanted them to try to establish something inside out. So at least they've kind of seen that at some in some capacity at this point. And, and if they do have to try to shoot over them, uh, do it and see what happens. They do. Yeah, you're right. They do have shot makers, uh, Bone Bowden, James Daniel, Chris Darrington, Lamonte Turner. I mean, they have the options. Admiral Schofield can hit from outside. Uh, when the time's right. These guys have to hit early shots, though. Uh, when, when these guys do miss some early shots, Lamonte Turner especially, it feels like they kind of get themselves taken out of games. Admiral Schofield, too, uh, he, he can take himself out of the game if, if he doesn't play well early. Early, So it'll, it'll be an important first four minutes until that first media timeout under 16-minute break and, and see what happens from there. But, yeah, if they got to shoot over them, if they make some early shots, they'll be okay. And we've touched on this a little bit, but but for those who haven't seen it, this week for Tennessee is big and it's important, but it's also just the start of just this schedule. I mean, it started with a game or two Tennessee should win, and then it went right to like 11. You know, this thing, you're talking November, you're talking you're ending November with Mercer, a team that beat Auburn in the preseason and a team that Tennessee's recently played uh, in a round of 32 game in the NCAA tournament. You know what you're going to get with that program. Uh, Georgia Tech uh, struggled maybe a little bit more than people would have thought early this season, but not a bad basketball team. Uh, then Lipscomb, which you know is always a solid program. And North Carolina, Furman, which has been playing good ball. You're at Wake Forest, and then you're into SEC play. So if you're you start looking for kind of for for some teams that are that are below, you know, maybe 100 in the Ken Palm ratings or the RPI, you're not, you're, you're not going to see many of these teams, at, you know, on this schedule. This, this schedule, I think, by the end of the season, could stand up as one of the tougher ones in college basketball. Oh, yeah. And, and as Rick Barnes has said uh, a million times before, if you, if you want to be an elite program, you better play an elite schedule. And if you want to be a nationally known program, you better play a nationally known schedule. Uh, and, and you have to win some of those games. It, it can't just be hanging around and, and, and playing better than people expect you to and then lose late like they did last year in a lot of those games. you got to start winning some of these non-conference games. Somebody had an article, I can't remember who the outlet was, but it, it basically analyzed Tennessee's strength of schedule and said Tennessee uh, was number one in the country in terms of the amount of statement games uh, when it comes to the NCAA tournament, the, the number of opportunities they have. Uh, to make a statement and to improve their resume right now at this point in the season is more than anybody else uh, in the country, which is uh, they're going to have a ton of opportunities. They, they want to – Rick Barnes wants this team to be burned by the time it uh, comes to, to getting thrown in the fire for SEC schedule, and that's why he schedules so tough in December and, and stuff like that. So w- once SEC play gets here, they'll be ready to go. But, yeah, they're going to have to finally kind of win some of these games and, and not just be a feel-good story to – to kind of build some momentum going into the uh, the meat of the schedule, Graham. But before we get out of here in just a little bit, I I got a something that, that I've I think we've touched on this a little bit in, in previous podcasts, and I know we talked about it a little bit in the in the the preseason special that that we did. But w- when you look at where this this Tennessee basketball team is and kind of how it's constructed and how you've got a lot of guys saying, hey, you know, this could be one guy's night or one one other guy's night another night and 
you know, this team doesn't necessarily need a consistent kind of 15, 20-point score or anything like that. Uh, do you think this team needs to start figuring out sort of who might be the bell cow or a couple of the bell cows? Or do you think the team can go through an entire season kind of being a team full of, you know, the sum being bigger than the parts? Uh, I don't I don't think you want to go through it that way. Uh, maybe maybe some teams can if, if the talent's there. But I think if you're Tennessee – uh, I mean, you only have one senior on the roster, James Daniel, and he got here in, in June, obviously, as a graduate transfer. Uh, you have a junior class that's had to play from day one, Admiral Schofield, Kyle Alexander, those guys. But you need somebody night in and night out that when you need a bucket, you can go to that guy and find a bucket, uh, whether that's Grant Williams, whether that's Admiral, whether that's uh, Lamonte Turner. Uh, you, you name the guy. They need to find that guy when – when, when it's tough sledding in a game, when, when the offense is slowed down and uh, it's just kind of been a bad night or, or you need a big bucket to, to, to fight off a, an opposing team's run, uh, you need to establish that guy one way or the other. It's, it's great that Lamonte Turner was scoreless against Presbyterian and had 16 and 17 minutes against High Point. Uh, that's what this Tennessee can, team can be in terms of uh, some nights it's just not your night. You let your teammates do the work. The, you know, the next night maybe it'll be your night and you can go from there. But you need some kind of in-between there. You don't want to keep relying on somebody different night in and night out because when, when those time comes, those tough times where you need a bucket, I think you need a consistent, reliable, reliable scorer uh, that can get you that bucket kind of like a Robert Hubbs was last year and kind of like a Kevin Punter was two years ago. That's where I can't you know figure out sort of where things are with this team in terms of, you know, I, I see kind of a, a, a blank canvas in a good way, but that still means that there's things you got to go out there and get done. You know, you got to go out there and you got to have guys. You got to sort of establish a pecking order. You've got to see who, when you need a big bucket, who's going to get that big bucket. You need to know uh, are you going to have a defensive stopper? Uh, are you going to have a defensive stopper on the wing or are you going to have one kind of on the block? Uh, you know, when things get tough, who's the guys talking up in the huddle that are getting guys going? You have to sort of establish these things. And, you know, I've just always thought that these teams that are kind of everybody, you know, all for one, one for all, these other things bigger than the team's bigger than than all of us. You know, I, I like that, but I also like kind of knowing what I'm going to get. And I think that's something that Rick Barnes has said time and time again this early season that is something that, that really kind of, you know, stood out to me is I need to know what I'm going to get. And from everybody, including a guy like Grant Williams, who kind of could step up and be the man on this team or could just have a kind of a decent sophomore season. I think it's fascinating to see kind of where things go with guys like that. Yeah, and it's going to start with, with Admiral Schofield and Grant Williams. Uh, those are the guys you want to play through. Uh, you, you you don't want the roller coaster or whatever Rick Barnes keeps saying about the up and down, up and down, uh, just consistent. Uh, it, it extends to Jordan Bone because he is your point guard. He is the guy that's going to run your offense. Uh, more often than not but yeah they have to find those guys and the quicker they find them I think the quicker they find the identity of this team uh, and find the and find the the best way to to execute that identity uh, you can't keep going back and forth between high scores and, and they haven't so far Admiral Schofield's uh, averaging 18 points a game right now he's been a consistent uh, scorer even though he didn't do much in that Clemson uh, exhibition game that last exhibition game before the season started but yeah they, they got to find those guys that they can work through uh, and go from there and obviously points has never been a problem for Grant Williams but uh, does he do it consistently and, and while he's scoring does he rebound I mean there's a lot of different factors that go into it and, and it all comes with this that grain of salt that that yeah the first two games have been great but that's been against bad opponents let's see uh, who who steps up to the plate when 
when it's a really tough challenge like Purdue. Grant, uh, before we get out of here, what do you think uh, are – if, if there, there's one or two guys on this team that you're saying, man, these guys need to have a really good week for Tennessee, what, what guy or two are you looking at in terms of, of guys that you think really need to, to have a good week? Uh, uh, Jordan Bone, because he's running the offense at point guard, he needs to limit turnovers. And when they play this 24 defense, uh, it starts with the guards pressuring and they want to create transition opportunities uh, and easy offense. And he's a guy that can use his speed to get to the rim and, and he's got to be a better finisher at the rim. Uh, I think if he plays well, I think Tennessee has a good week. And I think if Admiral Schofield uh, finds his points early in the game, he's a, he's a guy that can uh, be a double, double guy night in and night out if he's playing uh, well enough. So I think if he's a consistent scorer, uh, uh, an impact guy, somebody that doesn't, you know, hunt his shots too early unless the offense come to him, uh, worries about defense and rebounding first. Uh, I think they'll be in good shape. If if Admiral plays well for three days, if Jordan Bone plays well for three days, uh, I think they're off to a really good start right there. Yeah, I, I don't disagree with any of that. I think the way I would phrase it would be, I think if uh, if either Jordan Bone and James Daniel both play pretty well, Tennessee's going to have a good week. If either one of them plays great, Tennessee you know, could have a, a pretty good week. If both of those guys are just kind of average or below average, I don't think Tennessee has a very good week at all. So, so that's, and I'm, I'm banking on a guy like Grant Williams going out there and being pretty good the way he usually is. So I, I think he's, he's kind of motivated to, I think he, he's kind of been in Rick Barnes doghouse a little bit lately, just in terms of Rick Barnes really trying to push him to get to that next level. So I think he's going to go out there and have a good week. I think if, if bone has a really, if bone has a good assist to turnover ratio, I think Tennessee is going to be a pretty good basketball team because I think Daniel's going to give you some nice things too in that role. Uh, but if both of those guys play pretty well, uh, then Tennessee's okay. If either one of those guys plays great, I think Tennessee's okay. But but you got to have one of those two things, I think. Yeah, and there's still so many questions about this Tennessee basketball team that, that you can't answer uh, against the likes of Presbyterian and High Point. Uh, not that we're disrespecting those teams. I feel like we've been disrespecting those teams for uh, two weeks now, but you just can't answer certain questions against teams like that. you got to you got to get against a, a Purdue, even a, a Western Kentucky or a North Carolina State or Northern Iowa uh, before you start to answer some of those questions. How big is the rotation? Uh, how much of an impact does John Fulkerson have? Uh, can Eve Ponds be somebody that they can get some minutes out of? Uh, Derek Walker, can he can he respond after kind of a, a rough start to the season after all the hype surrounding him? I mean, there's a ton of answers uh, that still need to be uh, – questions that need to be answered, and I, I think they can start to – See that this week. Uh, if they don't start to see that this week, they're hurting. So uh, they got three opportunities to try that and and go from there. Grant, I don't want to. I don't want to assume anything here, but I'm I'm guessing that it sounds like from what you've said that you're kind of on the same page that I am in, in that after two days of this tournament, Tennessee should be one and one, and then maybe we'll see what the draw is before predicting a third game. What it could go is that yeah. that that's sort of the. I know that's kind of the safe prediction, but it's also just kind of what I think will happen this week. Yeah, if I was uh, if I was trying to sit here and draw out the bracket, I would say uh, lose to Purdue, beat Western Kentucky, and then you'll probably get a uh, North Carolina State on day three. And and if you can get North Carolina State, that adds another ACC team to your schedule. Uh, you can't play enough ACC teams in terms of uh, trying to play good basketball. So uh, if if you can get two out of three going that way, that's going to be really good. If you if you pull an upset here or there and something happens, if they still get two wins, uh, that'll be a really good week for them. 
the very last thing I'll say before I wrap things up here, and I got to correct myself. Early in this podcast, I said it was for some reason. I said I think I said Southern Indiana Evansville or something. It was Southern Illinois University Edwardsville, and, and my my bad, John Harris, former Tennessee assistant and good guy. I think I was getting my my streams crossed there because Evansville, the Purple Aces, uh, talked to me about playing baseball years ago. So every t- every time I see that, I, I think of um, I think of Evansville, not Edwardsville. So my my apologies on that one. If you if any of you were sending uh, angry letters, uh, you just need to keep listening to the podcast because you'll see that I've corrected myself here. But uh, Grant, before we leave, in terms of the Thanksgiving stuff, I've been asking this question to board on the people this week. I'm throwing turkey and ham out of the equation. Those don't count unless it's something pretty unique. Aside from that, what is the go-to Thanksgiving side dish or the go-to Thanksgiving dish on Grant Ramey's Thanksgiving plate? Uh, sweet potatoes because it's uh, <clears throat> the way my family makes them. It's basically like uh, getting a head start on dessert because they've got marshmallows and uh, all the all the stuff on top of them. So it's 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 basically like a dessert a dessert you're eating with the rest of your entree food. So yeah. sweet potatoes all day. That's, that's 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 unfortunate because that was exactly my answer. So now, now I mean you've kind of stolen my thunder on that one, but that's okay. That's okay. Hey, that's more more the merrier because if you don't have uh, sweet potatoes at your family Thanksgiving, I don't know what kind of family you've got, but it's a bad one. So I could eat Sister Schubert rolls until I go into a coma on the couch uh, before the four o'clock NFL game. Oh, that's true. Those are, those are good stuff, too. I'm looking forward to all that. It's going to be a fun day full of hoops and, and basketball. And, and you know what it's also going to be? It's going to be a nice day for, uh, for us to not be traveling. I'm, I'm a big fan of that. I'm very thankful for that. Also very thankful for everybody there at, at GoVols247.com, all subscribers, for keeping, keeping all of our, our bills paid. And for calling Ryan names on the board. That's also very great. thankful for that. We appreciate that very much. Thankful for the family. Thankful for the friends. Thankful for everybody. And if you're not on GoBalls247.com yet, you need to be. We've got all kinds of stuff on the Tennessee football coaching search. I think we'll have another football podcast this week. Maybe we'll have a things we're thankful for podcast. Even though I've already just told you most of the things I'm thankful for. So Ryan would not be on that podcast. That would be something I would be thankful for. For sure. Grant, any final thoughts? Happy Thanksgiving, everybody. Enjoy your week. It's feast week.